Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined today by my good friend and longtime business partner and fellow money muddler, Jason Bernal. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. All right. Jason Bernal, how are you today? Oh, lovely, lovely. I am so glad that I finally get the opportunity to record a podcast with you. Uh, before Caleb did one, and it was all right, but I, I kept thinking it would be a lot better if I was there. There was definitely some weird jealousy going on. <laughs> I'm not real sure how to handle that, but here I am. I'm here for both of you. I'm glad. As, uh, someday we'll do one with all three of us. I think I think that'll be a good idea. But I don't right know. now we'll I'm, I'm happy that I get to make Caleb jealous on this one. <laughs> Caleb, if you're listening, eat your heart out. This is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully we can pull it off. I'm excited to be here. And it's good because when you're here, we can pull on someone with actual expertise who's not 90% shenanigans like Caleb and I. Yeah. You are a large percent shenanigans, though. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have to be. <laughs> Business is hard. It is. And that, that brings us into what we're talking about today. Right. Great transition. Um, we're talking about... This is another small business, small batch episode where we keep it pretty easy. And today's episode is, so you want to be self-employed. And I'm really excited to talk about this because uh, you have a lot of firsthand experience. And then I got to be there with you uh, from the beginning. So I think we can draw on a lot of your personal experience as well as the experience from a lot of our clients. Because uh, we probably helped dozens of clients become self-employed or try to realize that dream or we talked them out of it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that so, has definitely happened. So that's going to be an awesome topic to talk about. I'm pumped. And since it's a small batch, uh, small business, small batch episode, we have got a uh, bottle of small batch bourbon that we are going to try out today. I think we should just dive right into that. Let's do it. Today, we are sampling Jefferson's Ocean Aged at Sea Voyage 23. This recipe is similar to uh, <laughs> Caleb and I's uh, recipe. Yeah, and and I feel bad doing a small batch, uh, small business without Caleb because he has often said his favorite cocktail is bourbon neat. Definitely. And that's what I'm about to mix up today. So buckle in, folks. Here is how you mix up today's cocktail. Buy yourself a bottle of Jefferson's Ocean Aged at Sea Voyage 23. Pour it into a rocks glass. Add an ice cube or a couple drops of water if desired, and then enjoy. Yes. Ooh, so simple. Why <laughs> is there a voyage number on this thing? Oh, oh, you are in luck. Allow me to elaborate on what this bourbon is and what makes it so special, the Jason. Ocean. Yeah. I'll jump into it. Uh, the, the idea behind this bourbon is that instead of sitting in a barrel aging in a warehouse, Jefferson's thought it'd be cool to put the barrels on a shipping container and float them in the ocean. So that way the movement of the sea... Uh, moves the bourbon around and makes it a little bit different. It ages differently because usually uh, those bourbon casks are just sitting in a warehouse. So I gotta, I gotta imagine that they when they were coming up with this, they're like drinking bourbon. <laughs> they're like, you know, it'd be really cool. Let's put this <laughs> bourbon on a boat. Like they're just sitting out there. Man, the ocean is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Look how big it is. What if we put our bourbon out there? You know what the ocean <laughs> needs? It needs some bourbon. That's right. <laughs> so basically. Um, they have done 23 voyages so far of Jefferson's bourbon uh, aged at ocean aged at sea. And this is the 23rd. At, at the, the time that we bought this, it was the most current. I don't think the 24th voyage has come out yet. So I, I guess like a little bit of this in my, in my mind is like they're sending a ghost ship <laughs> out into the ocean 
and it sails for a very long time. <laughs> and somehow Jack Sparrow gets involved. Pirates. And pirates. And it shows back up and bam. Well, but Tennessee isn't. Is this from Tennessee? Uh, nope, it's Kentucky. Kentucky. This is Kentucky. Kentucky's bourbon. not on the ocean. <laughs> no, it's not. So it has. To, it started out in a port in Savannah, Georgia. I got all this from their website. So uh, they ship it over there. It is a shipping container that uh, are a, a big giant transport vessel that's got a ton of other stuff on it. So uh, securely stowed, Voyage Twenty Three left port at high noon under clear skies, warm spring temperatures, and slight seas en route to the Panama Canal. Delightful. Yeah. So they started in Savannah. That's also from their website. Uh, so basically, this uh, started in Savannah, Georgia. It went down to the Panama Canal, got through there, zipped through it real quick. Crossed the equator a bunch of times, went to Tahiti, um, and then came back. So the average bottle or barrel of Jefferson's Ocean Agency crosses the equator four times. It's kind of a neat gimmick. I think it's cool. A lot of people think it's cool. But this bourbon has been to more places than I've ever visited. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, Tahiti. <laughs> it's a well-traveled uh, bourbon that has visited paradise many a time. Oh, so It's got to be wonderful then. It's good. It's called a very small batch. And really, it's a blend of Jefferson's seven and eight-year-old conventionally aged bourbons. They're married and then they're aged at sea for a while. Uh, it depends because, you know, the, the trip can, can vary in uh, time. But it's a 90-proof bourbon. That's 45% alcohol by volume. And uh, let's taste it and see what we think. It's the best part. Well, it tastes like bourbon. It tastes like bourbon. It's pretty good. This is where I feel like I'm really lacking on having Caleb here because at least he knows the lingo. But we're going to try our best. Now, I mean, I I think there's definitely a, a... I mean, there's always kind of a burnt barrel kind of taste going yeah, on. But it's pretty oak. smooth. I think it's pretty easy to drink. The oak's there. Yeah, I I do. When you smell it, it's very caramely or caramelly, depending on how you say it. We've argued a little bit here. We think little salt taste in there, but I think that we don't know if it's our imagination <laughs> or not. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be tasting. So all the sea I, air is supposed to get it salty. I I definitely have that salty kind of aftertaste going on, which is which is it's kind of neat. Yeah, so maybe like a, a salted caramel. I'm buying. I'm buying the gimmick. Yeah, it's cool. It's good. I I recommend it if you can get your hands on a bottle of it. I'd try it out. You, you definitely have a sweet. It's on the sweeter end of bourbons, like sure. not smoky. It does have a little bit of heat, but it's not very much at all. Um, it's not like the hundred and ten proof whatever. Yeah, single this isn't. Barrels. Yeah, this isn't like a, a full proof. They they proof it down to to, to ninety and right. Uh, I think that that works out really well for it. I. I recommend it. I think it's delightful. I like almost all bourbons. I have had very few I don't like. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. There's one in particular that I will not name right now that maybe we'll do a review of. That is the worst bourbon I have ever had. <laughs> and it embarrassed me too because I bought it and I was excited and I took it to... It's called Cleveland Bourbon. There, I said it. Yeah. I took it and it's aged with science instead of with barrels. Uh, so they, it was also a gimmick. But I took it to a bourbon tasting with one of my neighbors who's like a collector. And he doesn't even like love the taste of bourbon he always mixes it you know who i'm talking about yeah i do and there's some other guys there too that weren't big bourbon snobs right and everyone hated that bourbon right so much and then i tried it neat and it's bad it's just it just tastes like only burning wow and it's not even that high proof science and it's ba yeah they like pressure they force bourbon through oak charred chips oh weird yeah uh, but the idea sounds that, awesome i don't know i i kind of like the idea of sitting around and 
and deciding that I, we're going to put some bourbon on a ship instead. That's awesome. <laughs> and like the gentle or rough sloshing of the waves. Yeah, that ages really it differently. Makes sense. I think it's cool. And I, but couldn't you replicate it by just like turning your bourbon barrels every once in a while? But you don't have the salt water. That's and true. And not the mythos of having it yeah, sail in the no Caribbean. Pirates. There are no pirates in your warehouse. That's no fun at all. I don't know. I mean, th- like I said, it's had a more interesting life than me. So, <laughs> but much shorter. Cool. Much, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. There it is. Jefferson's Ocean, Aged at Sea, Voyage 23. We give it some thumbs up. Definitely. Definitely. All right, Jason, the bourbon is good. We've had a little to drink. I think we're ready to talk about some small business topics. Yeah, I'm feeling, T- today, feeling good. Yeah, we're a little loose. Yeah. We're talking about a topic that we're passionate about. Today, we're talking about becoming self-employed. Whenever you talk about it, or you, when you were thinking about it, back when I was like goading you, <laughs> it sounds like a dream. Like We only want to think of the positive aspects of it. You get to be your own boss. Uh, you get to do what you really love to do. Let's say you're pretty good at it and you like it. Um, you get to do it on your own terms. Like, you know, you get to set your own schedule. You're the boss. It's awesome. And Jason, you've actually done this. And I've, I've been I've been with uh, with you pretty much every step of the way for right. this. Uh, so we know that as you actually start to take the plunge toward starting your business, that dream, it can quickly become an overwhelming mess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few things in my life that I've done that are even remotely as terrifying <laughs> as what this was you know and, and i mean you just simply cannot predict what you're going to experience and i this is just like my mo though i'm like nah, nobody knows anything i can do it <laughs> you know but it is just simply true that it's it's just very difficult to predict the things that are going to occur and I think about all those small business owners that started a business in 2020. I mean, oh yeah, like they, like uh, if they survived, I mean, how in the world would they have ever predicted a pandemic? I mean, it's just right. a perfect example. Yeah, you're really putting yourself out there, right? And then, and then there's all the other stuff that you don't like. You didn't really think about, like the not sexy parts of running a business. Sure, sure, like plunging the toilets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which you, we've dealt with. Definitely. I remember, I remember when we first started uh, Blue Jay Financial Group going to uh, a home improvement <laughs> store and we bought a mop and a mop bucket for our office and you're like well <laughs> i own a small business here's my mop and mop bucket it's not a janitorial business <laughs> yeah I, I, there's no doubt that there was some strange connection between what was happening <laughs> how i the dream was not being lived at that particular moment. So, um, but yeah, we still have that. So you just, you just take that, that mop bucket has been with us since the beginning. So (laughs) it's a good mop bucket. Yeah. I was like, Oh, have you ever seen UHF weird Al's movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the, the dude that plays Kramer on Seinfeld is in there. Michael, Michael Richards. Yeah. And he's a, a custodian and, and he's really attached to his mop that was given to him. It's a really good mop. And he's always like, that's my mop. That's my mop when they steal from it. Anyway, that's what I think about our mop and our mop bucket. I, I Just for the record, I do not think that that is just a mop and a mop bucket. <laughs> it's a symbol of everything you've worked for. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just you 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 probably leave a pretty decent situation. I mean, I would say most folks have done a good job when they're ready to start their own thing. 
And for whatever reasons they have justified in their mind for doing their own gig, it's quite terrifying. I mean, you're walking away from something that is really probably a good situation. Yeah. That you're seeking something that's going to give you a little bit more fulfillment or a lot more fulfillment for that matter. I mean, you're trying to write, write your own path. So yeah, it's, it's a big deal. And and you're really, you, so you're, 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 you're leaving security because you've maybe got this job. You're working for somebody else. Maybe you're doing something you even love. Maybe it's the same thing you want to do just on your own. And that happens with a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, that was us. Yeah. We were like, a, we're doing the technical work and we don't have to deal with all the, the management that's all being handled for us. But we're like, boy, I bet we could do this better. I bet you, I think that if I was in charge, I'd make better decisions. And yeah. You- I mean, and for us, it was more like, I want to make sure I can serve my client better. And I think that goes a long way, you know, whether it's more personalized service or something that you feel is lacking from your current position, it, it does give you the opportunity to kind of do that. So, you know, and I, I won't forget, like we walked out, I, I quit first, you know, I, I think I might've wept in my car for a little bit, <laughs> went to our office that was not complete yet. Like, I mean, it was like small yeah. business one-on-one. We were painting and building and doing yeah. all kinds of stuff. And then the later that afternoon, Jason quits his job. And then it like really got real. Like we're responsible for each other. Here we are. Here we are. We're just and, out in the wind. And we created this thing out of nothing. <laughs> we're officially starting. I hope it works. Yeah. So I mean, I've had I mean, I've had seven children. It's like, so I mean, that feeling's different than this one. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sense of responsibility that I feel like I mean, after seven kids, I can handle a child, but Man, starting a business, it was that was a really unique time. Maybe it's more like having your first child where you just have no idea what to expect I, at all. I don't even remember. When what you get that's to your like, seventh though. business, I bet it's a lot less scary. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> right. Right. I just maybe we haven't we didn't face hadn't handled failure quite. <laughs> you hadn't had to stare at it. Yeah. Well, that is important. The security that you're leaving, and that actually transitions us in pretty much to this the first point that I wanted to get to, but but, but the the thing that everyone needs to realize is, and we all know it, is that starting a business or becoming self-employed isn't all roses. Everybody knows it, even if we really do highlight what the good parts are, the optimistic parts are. So uh, having said all that, we're going to break this down, this little advice seminar via podcast uh, into five steps. So basically five steps towards starting starting your own business, becoming self-employed. And we really needed this. I think so. Well, see, I, there's a lot of material out there. Like I was going to reference um, Michael Gerber's book, The E Myth, which right. which helped us a ton. And I'm actually going to, but we discovered it too late. We it did. was like three years too late. So, uh, like, but there's so much information about yeah, uh, for, starting a business, sure. yeah. being self-employed, and a lot of it is that hero's journey fallacy that I always talk about. These people are like, "Well, I did it this way, and it worked for me." So you do what I did, and then it doesn't work. And you're like, what the heck, man? I did everything that just Bill Gates did, and I'm not a billionaire. <laughs> I started in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> I lived with my parents. <laughs> so it's different for, for each of us. But Michael Gerber's book is really all about the entrepreneurial myth that you're going to just be able to go do the job that you want to do. And we all forget about the buying the mop buckets and the managing people and the doing an accounting system and all of that. 
so that's a really good resource. And this, hopefully, what we do today is kind of breaking that down. We are going to rob a lot from other self-help books, business books, because that's what got us. That's the information that we have now. Sure. E-Myth, though, has been especially influential. So we'll really pull from that a lot. But from all the other sport sources, too, like the Pope of per- Personal Finance, Dave Ramsey, has got some good information that we've used. Stephen Covey. Boy, there's just a lot there's of a resources lot of them, yeah. out there. And it's really hard. So hopefully this is a good distilled version of that. Distilled! Yay! Drink! Yep. I don't have any left. <laughs> hey, we're only like 15 minutes in here, man. Well, there's the <laughs> bottle sitting next to me. I can't help it. <laughs> so we're going to break this down into five steps towards starting your business and talk about each of these. Drawing on our own experience, and we have the benefit of having helped several clients do this also, take the leap from working for someone else to working for themselves full-time. And the number one item, the first step that I want to talk about is why are you starting a business? And Emith breaks this down into the primary aim kind of. Determine your why. That's that's the first thing. Why are you doing this? And you need to spend some time on this. <laughs> like, don't be a turd like we were. Like, <laughs> oh, we know why we're doing this. Because like, we're better than everyone else yeah, and we can do and, it better. Well, that won't get you very far. That's a really... <laughs> good way to just not have a reason for being in business. And this is super common. Small business owner clients that we work with, folks we talk to, you know, a lot of times they they might even be successful and they're just like, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. Yeah. And they they forget and maybe never had it. So you better spend some time with yourself and your yeah. wife or your husband and go through this and in a lot of detail. Um, to get to a point where you're able to say, this business is going to serve me, mm-hmm. you know, and and because a, a small business can can be a terrible slave master. It really can be. <laughs> uh, it can. Well, you and you're speaking from experience, obviously. Right. It's, it's been tough. And we didn't really go through this exercise of determining your why until several years into the business, which is uh, fortunate. Uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that 50% of small businesses fail by their fifth year. We did it! We made it! We didn't fail in the fifth year. (laughs) We have one whole year outside of that under our belts. But knowing that kind of statistic, it means that it's going to be hard. Like You're going to face adversity. Yes, there you go. I almost said adversaries, and I guess that's true, too. That's also true. You're probably your worst adversary. (laughs) You got to get out of your own head a lot, too. Knowing that, it is really important. Like you said, how is the business going to serve your life? You need a purpose for doing this business that's going to keep you going when stuff gets real because it's going to be hard sometimes. Right. When you are looking at your you know, check, checking account balance <laughs> and you're like, how am I going to do this? Honestly, it, it's really, really easy to just throw your arms up and walk away. And that happens. I mean, that's why the statistic exists. Right. And I would be a liar if I said... I never thought that many times. Like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> Which you better know uh, the reasons you you walked out that door on your last day at your J-O-B yeah. and wanted to be an entrepreneur or else it's just it's going to be a real slog. With that, we know that you need to determine your why, why you're starting the business. What's your primary aim? How is the business going to serve you? What are some examples of that, that that could be in your experience that have worked for people, that have worked for you personally? What kind of stuff should people be thinking about when they're thinking about my why? Because I know where everyone's going to go to. I want freedom and I want to make a ton of money. 
Yeah, so those are going to be wrong right out of the <laughs> gate. <laughs> and I mean, just from, and I agree with you, that is really common, but that is probably the wrong focus out of the gate. And I would say that we probably had some of that going on, especially the freedom side. I mean, we wanted to like do our own thing. Yeah. Uh, it didn't mean that we weren't going to work. Right. I mean, that's that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> it was just like we wanted the ability to take care of our clients the best way we could. And that just wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, you really need to focus on your family. What does this specific adventure look like for them? And kind of you got to thank family tree. You know, if you got a family and how you're going to serve them, maybe it gets you to the point where you have at least the option of working a little bit less or more flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll probably work more than you've ever worked in your life. (laughs) It's going to at least give you the chance for some flexibility. I think that that's huge. Your faith is really important. Mm -hmm. Are you serving your fellow man the way that you think your faith is leading you to, to do that? And we have served people in ways that I would have never dreamt of. Talking people out of divorces, yeah, working through suicides, deaths, and lots of happy stuff too. But I can't think of any of that. <laughs> I'm not all downer all the time. For some reason, the negative things stick in. Well, your head they're a lot just better. so hard for people to get through. I mean, yeah. and, and they're hard for us emotionally. And and so, you know, you you got to understand this is this is a work that's just got a little bit higher calling. So you got to focus on that from a faith perspective. Uh, the financial uh, aspect is also true. I, I, there's a saying that comes, <laughs> I can think of, I don't want to own a job. Right. Okay. So like, I don't want to have a job where I make the same or less than what I was making before I left my other job. That's true. So what does that look like? Or are you willing to take a cut? Because I want these other things. Right. And that happens a lot too. So, um, it, and you better be passionate about the work you're choosing to do. Okay. Either be an industry leader or feel like you are good. You have something that is exceptional. Yeah. Maybe you're called to it because it does satisfy the calling of your faith. Like if it is, if it is to help your fellow man, like the business is serving your purpose that way. So you can volunteer X hours a week or, or maybe it is serving your life by giving you flexibility and freedom to spend with your family, to help your kids with different projects. And that sort of thing too, or or to become a, a leader in a different area in the community, those I, sorts of one things. for me. I mean that I, I think it's overshadowed a lot. Is like I just wanted to be a good example to my kids. Yeah, this is difficult. They've seen it. There's no way to avoid it when you are running a small business, and just to show them that you can literally give birth to a idea and. Someday you're sitting in an office that you created because of your hard work and have people that really value what you do. I mean, you can't turn that off (laughs) Mm -hmm. when you're having those bad days. Okay. Right. It may be overwhelming. I'm not saying it it won't be because it will be. But when you think about how, you know, changing your family tree on a financial perspective, you're also teaching those around you that there's something to be proud of here yeah. that no one else did. It's it's pretty pretty big deal. When I talk to to small business owners a lot, it, it is it's funny because they will often refer to their small business 
not like an investment, not like a, not like a job, but more like a child. Sure. Like this is something that I have created and I am responsible for. And, and, and a lot like having a kid, it's scary and exciting. And there's a lot of learning along the way that yeah, goes on. For sure. <laughs> uh, but I just think that's interesting that most of them, I was just talking to a friend I hadn't talked to in forever who's who's been listening to the show. Hey, Ben, thanks for listening. And he, he brought up that same kind of thing when we were just talking about selling a business or finishing. And he's like, I, I'm like, this is like a child. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> consider selling my children. Why would I do that with my business? But if your primary, it could be different than that. I just haven't run into that a lot. But it could be if your primary aim is to retire early, let's sure, say. Sure, yeah. That could be part of it where you are just going to sell. Your, you're going to grow a business and sell it by 45 so you can go volunteer at your church or become a deacon or something like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if that is just like the only reason, I mean, you might as well just not do it because <laughs> it's not enough. You don't think the re- return on investment is good enough if you can get, you know, no, I don't get retired. Unless at you're like some kind of like independently wealthy and it like doesn't really matter how much money you make. You're just like doing the thing that your trust documents say you have to do so you can be rich <laughs> the rest of your life. Okay. No, I don't think it's enough. I mean, because I know a lot of miserable people that are stuck in jobs, yeah, businesses, yeah, like that, a job that like they a own, job that they own, and. Yeah. They hate it. Yeah. They you don't want to be a slave to your own business. dream of mowing lawns like as another job. I'm like, well, then just quit. Yeah. Just sell it if it's that bad. I mean, and and it's like if you don't start and set, set the foundation properly, you're going to struggle. Yeah. Men, specifically, emotionally and mentally in ways you have never experienced in your life. <laughs> And this, I'm not, I'm speaking from experience, but I'm also speaking from experience of others who have really been like, oh, I got hit by a bus today because I didn't expect to feel that way about mm-hmm. this decision and it will just weigh on them and it's, it's just not healthy. So, you know, that, that part, you can't just do it because I'm going to be rich and I'm going to retire early, which is that freedom part we talked about. Yeah. You yeah. might as well not, I said at the beginning, you might as well not do it if yeah. that's your reason. Uh, you, Cause you're not going to have extra free time, especially at the beginning. Oh, you will, but you're going to have to paint a building or <laughs> install flooring. No, it's going to be all smoke furniture. <laughs> There's always stuff you should be doing. That's I'm, true. I'm glad we gave extra time to the, the first topic. I knew that because it's really, really important that like, you do have to have something that's going to keep you going when it gets hard because it will. It right. will get hard. But the next item, Item number two on starting a business or becoming self-employed. I put down, get your personal financial situation in order, Jason. How important is that? It is so critical. It's an anxiety that's going to exist. So I think the fact that it's on the list, number two, creates anxiety in your life like you can't understand. You got to have your financial ship, (laughs) Jefferson Ocean here, ship in order Mm -hmm. before you do this. Because if you don't, the stress of the business and your personal situation are going to be rather hard to handle. That's when small business owners do really, really destructive things with their money, like not pay payroll taxes or use credit cards to buy copy paper. It doesn't work. Really need to limit your personal debt, the business debt at the very beginning. I mean, I would not take on debt if I can help it. Mm -hmm. Get your emergency fund to a level that you're like, I know I don't need to earn a dollar for a period of time. 
however long you think it's going to take you to start paying yourself a salary. Mm -hmm. For us, it was like probably about it was nearly six months before we were like, hey, there's some revenue there. Yeah. <laughs> and with our situation, we were leaving a job in the same exact industry that we were starting the business in. So there was no keep one foot on the dock and one foot in the boat for a little while. It was you got to jump in. For a lot of people, they'll be able to gradually move into that business until it becomes a, a lot more substantial. Yeah. So moonlighting is smart. I think that works out really well. for. I've seen it work for folks where they, they start building the business up until they're like, I do not have enough time working my other job. I've actually replaced some of my income or all of it. Or all of it, yeah. And if that's the case, by all means, go for it. Um, but that's the kind of thing, getting your personal financial situation in order, that is. If you have to just jump off the dock and into the boat like we did, having an emergency fund, having really limited debt, is super valuable. Uh, I know that y- you and I, when we started the Blue Jay, when we jumped ship and started Blue Jay, neither of us had an outrageous home situation. We had yeah. really modest bills. We had really cut back a lot. Uh, and it, and because of that, we were really flexible. And you especially, we were leaving a really high paying, good job where lifestyle creep can really get up in there. And you you put all that off and it made you able to start this company which didn't pay off for you know the first year, second year, third year. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, man. <laughs> but it's starting to pay off now, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and, uh, and so like there's there's light at the end of the tunnel there. But for folks that are able to kind of moonlight and gradually move into that, it won't be as drastic. You won't need as much in savings. You won't need as much uh, of your personal debts paid down. But it's still, it we've to- we've talked about this on our retirement shows too. It's right. the same the same principles hold true. The less debt you have, the less things you ha- have to make payments on or pay for, the more savings you have, the more sinking funds, the more emergency fund, the more investments you have to live off of, the more freedom you have to take risks like this. Well, there's a huge key to this too that you know we haven't really talked about. You have to have your significant other on board because oh, yeah. let's face it, like you're going to cut back. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry, honey, no more you know, big B lattes tomorrow because those are like $5 a piece and we got to like really track our expenses at this point. Yeah. And that is, that's, that's a huge part of this and God bless our wives. Yeah. I was going to say having your spouse on board. I mean, tricking your spouse into <laughs> thinking this is a good idea. That was never the intention. <laughs> it's a really important step. I mean, you have to, I mean, I've seen a few small businesses launch where they not on the same page mm-hmm. and the stress in this particular category around finance is just immense. Yeah. You got to you have to be willing to cut back for a period of time before you take the leap, maybe moonlight and do the things we preach every day to everybody. Yeah. But this always gave us the because we had our financial house in order, we always had the option. Mm-hmm. And that was what was really exciting. Yeah, for that's us. that's the big benefit of being financially independent. All right, number 3 then, Jason, plan the specifics. This is where we're starting to move into the technical work, though we're not into the really boring stuff yet. This is still a little exciting. Uh these kinds of specifics are what are you going to do? Yeah. How are you going to make money? And you actually need a good plan. This would be like the business plan scenario. So imagine you're going to get investors and you need to prove to them that that this is a good idea and they should invest in your business. So also, how are you going to make the business... You you determined your why in the first step. You've got how the business is going to serve your life. You're going to document what that actually looks like. Yeah. You want X time out of the office. Do you want this much extra income? 
That'll let you know how much revenue you need to make and all that sort of stuff. You're going right into the financial projections, which is what we do for a living. But that is not the only thing you should be focusing on. Who are you serving? Honestly, I don't think we had this figured out for a while. No. And it was people that would pay us. Yeah. Do you have a pulse? (laughs) (laughs) Come buy our thing. Yeah. The old, if you can fog a mirror, you are a perspective. That's right. And that's a mistake. So learn from us. You've got to spend some time seeing if the market is even there for your specific niche what that looks like for you even if you're selling a product you know mm-hmm. what what's your target demographic there spend some time not winging it you got to think about this because it will direct a lot of your you need to be very efficient with your spending early on so oh, how am i going to market to these people and the you know guerrilla warfare way yeah that's available to us today quite frankly because of technology yeah so you're you're going to plan out your budget how much right. you're spending and and then and then stick to it it's a lot like personal finance yeah um, but you need to get some projections out there they're all going to get exploded once you actually launch this business but try to be as realistic as possible right making these projections so that you can you can kind of figure out how you're managing your finances what your revenue is expected to be so that you can decide if you're going to be profitable or not so you can figure out if you can actually pay yourself or if you need other people if you can pay them right i mean you got to understand your numbers i mean that is super important what's my margins going to look like what are my targets what are my cost of goods mm-hmm. that's it's just so important and I hate to say this, you know, with a lot of small business owners, it feels like they like, I have this product and someone gave me a loan and I open this business and then nobody comes. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's so sad. And so many businesses do that. And they're like, oh, but we got this cool place and we, you know, we're open all the time. Maybe my hours are wrong and Mm -hmm. prices are different. Probably not. Like you didn't do the legwork up front to see if there's a demand. And it's sad. Like, because they could be a great idea. We just created a, something we said is like a child, and you could be wrong. Yeah. You got to do the legwork. You got to do the research to find out if it will actually work. This is where you're hard on yourself, and you need to look at yourself like an outside investor, investor would, or like the bank would if they're supposed to get you a loan. But we don't recommend getting a loan when you start your business. If please. you can avoid it at all costs, please do. Please avoid that. All right. And then step number four, Jason. So we've, we've kind of planned the specifics. Now we're going to do the official boring work. This is the where the lawyers and CPAs get involved. Yep. Um, but this is actually, you have decided it's a good idea. You've got your personal financial situation in order. You know why you're doing it. So we're going to actually get started doing it. This is the doing it. And most people jump right into this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why we had three steps before it. But this is uh, questions like, how are you going to organize your business? Right. Uh, can you speak to that for uh, just a brief second? When when should people do a sole proprietorship or do an LLC and all that sort yeah, of stuff? Yeah, I mean, this unfortunately we have to go down the road of what is your personal liability going to be in this mm-hmm. business? And you know, if you are running a dog walking business and liability might be limited to you losing a dog, <laughs> which I guess could end up in a lawsuit. That could be a lot of dollars yeah. per pain and suffering. Dogs are basically people. Now. I know, and so I, I mean. You're probably okay running a business like that as a sole prop. It's you're one person, not a lot of complications, easy to file taxes, no documents to really get it going. Mm-hmm. So if you have some liability, an LLC is is highly recommended. Not hard to start, guys. Like don't 
make this too complicated. Don't spend five grand on one unless yeah. you're going to do like 18 members and, you know, th- we don't want that. So simple is better here. Like in our business, liability is a thing. Yeah. Um, so we don't, we don't want to do anything wrong, but there's still the chance that something could go wrong. So the LLC makes sense. And my best advice there is talk to a CPA or an attorney. Do your own research. You do. You need to understand mm-hmm. this. But you're right. A lot of people jump right into this. It's not mega complicated. You can get an EIN number, which is like a social security number for a business, mm-hmm. in two minutes online. Like it's not difficult. Yeah. The allure of that sole proprietorship, though, is no paperwork. It's a lot easier to cheat on your taxes. Uh, <laughs> you, you use Put your own social security number. And I know people will jump right into that. Like my, my wife has run a, a photography business on the side for a little while as a sole proprietorship. And we just withhold the taxes like 30% ish for taxes. And it's really simple because she's not making a ton of money or barely any really. Uh, she's just doing it for fun now. And we'll do it for a business like that. But it's not a real business. It's not like that's not what we're trying to make our family's main source of income. Really, it seems like a good delineation is if this is your serious deal, this is going to be your primary source of income. I think an LLC makes a lot of sense to yeah. limit that liability and yeah, get we, a good it, coverage. By no stretch of the imagination, do we want to like poo-poo like small business entrepreneurship and these like no. you know you go out and hang a shingle and off you go. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's it's beautiful that we're able to do that here, <laughs> and I think small business owners are just beautiful people. Quite frankly, <laughs> they're awesome. They really are the backbone of our country. Yeah, uh, they're they pay the most taxes. They employ the most people. And they're the greatest places to work. If I think, if I say so, I think that ours especially. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Enough of that. <laughs> uh, so other things that, that folks need to do, they need to open bank accounts. This is really important. It seems oh, really simple. Gosh, this is like annoying. <laughs> you need to open a separate bank account for your business and not commingle your money. Don't do that. <laughs> like seriously, people like don't. Like, oh, I'll just put a little in mine, a little over there. Yeah, I don't know how better to say that. Just it's so we both worked in banks. Super common. You just go open a business account. If right. you've got your EIN, EIEIN <laughs> for your business, you can open a bank account for it. And you might need your articles of incorporation and that sort of stuff. You'd need that anyway if you do an LLC and file with your state. Depends on your state. You can get an attorney for extra extra guidance. But it's not hard. You need to organize, then you need to open separate bank accounts. Keep it separate from your personal accounts. Easy. It's a business. Pretend that you are the chief financial officer of your business. Because you are. <laughs> Would you fire your chief financial officer for putting the business's money in his own checking account? Yes, you would. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. So keeping good records is super important. Use QuickBooks. Do something like that. And listen, don't put the desk in the corner of your of your house and pile stuff up to the flipping ceiling <laughs> and like never send out invoices like you're in this business to make money like yeah like that's what you do so it's so common among small business owners like quickbooks online is easy wave is also out there it's free and I, this is my soapbox okay it's so like a personal annoyance don't cheat on your taxes <laughs> okay <laughs> But I, we laugh, but it is like happening all around us. You just got to tell every small business owner. Don't put cash in your pocket and think it's okay. Yeah, that's it's, still money. It's that's not money. okay. Everybody does it though, Jason. No, they don't. <laughs> okay. And regulation is coming down on you. 
Okay, it's going to catch up. Yeah. Okay. When you have a three thousand dollar a month mortgage on a lake property and your income sixty thousand dollars a year, like it ain't it doesn't add up, guys. Like the IRS is smart. They're smarter than ever. They're employing AI. They have huge data systems. They're going to catch you. And it may not be in the form of tax evasion, but it may be in the form of workers' comp. Yeah. Okay. Huge fines there for not claiming wages properly. Mm-hmm. When the guy falls off your truck and breaks his ankle, yeah, you're going to get in trouble. Yeah. It's not worth it. Okay. This baby you created could be thrown out with the bathwater yeah. so fast over putting... $200 in your pocket every job. And you know what? It's okay to avoid taxes legally. So I, I think it's really important to hire some tax help. I think every small business owner should get a good tax preparer, a good tax strategist, and figure out the ways where you can save money on taxes legally. Deductions but, exist. Yeah, but don't All cheat. over the place. People just hide income all of the time. And uh, there are there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of uh, options for small business owners to use. It is a great tax shelter for lots of things legally. Uh, but don't cheat, guys. Most small business owners will, will cheat and then lie to their CPA. And I shouldn't say most. That's not fair. Some. Yeah, don't say most. So... And then they don't tell their CPA the whole story. <laughs> he can't help you. Yeah. You, you got to have a good relationship with that guy uh, or, or lady uh, if you do that. So I think unless, unless you're a really simple business, you probably need some special outside tax help. Yes, for sure. <laughs> All right, Jason. Uh, moving on to our fifth and final step. Market and grow. And your favorite, systematize your uh. business. Yes. More bourbon on that. <laughs> so we'll breeze right through. There are so many, so many helps out there available online for branding. It's at, the price has been driven down if you want professional help. And there's so much free information about having a nice, clean, consistent uh, digital president presence, uh, market presence, just you know, like your logo and your colors and what you do, explaining that really well. And it's free now for the most part to have a social media account. A Google business page is free. A website is super cheap and I think super valuable to have. It, yeah. it, it it instills confidence that you're a real business if you have a real website. But it's so much cheaper than it used to be to have a really nice one. Doing all of that, we don't need to get into. We love the idea of marketing and we've had all sorts of schemes, some more successful than others, but we just, we just have enjoyed it. We could talk about that in its own episode for a really long time. But I wanted to take this time to focus as we're winding down the episode to talk about systemization and why that's so important because it's like the first thing that most business owners will avoid. That's right. And it's it's so hard to systemize your business, systematize. I said that wrong. Wow. I think both work. I think it's systemize or systematize. I don't oh, know what the difference is. It doesn't is. matter. Smarter people than us probably yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. So if you know that, just ask to join the speakeasy and send us a comment. That would be awesome. <laughs> English, not our major. So anyways, no, I mean, your business needs processes. Most businesses have tons of tribal knowledge. And to me, when you're starting off, if you start developing systems of ways ways you're doing things like payroll or ordering office supplies to how you actually take care of a customer, the more you do that and really get it down to this is how we want to serve, your business will not need you there every day. Yeah. Okay. And that is the key. This is like probably the single most important thing to me that we're doing internally other than serving our client. It's so important. And probably for reasons, not because I'm trying to like never come to work, 
it's just not in my like lexicon. Though that'd think. be awesome to it, not have to. Right, right. It really is more around I want consistency delivered to our client so they can feel like we know what we're doing every time, whether it's client A, B, or C, they're gonna get the same experience. And so the things that are most important obviously need to go into your system action plan first. So you need to list those things that are really important. And it might be as simple in your business as answering the phone, sending an invoice, mm-hmm. how you handle the quoting process, what you say when you answer the phone. Yeah, that was one of the huge things that changed business here was just putting a standardized process in, writing it down, the rules for answering the phone. It seems dumb because like, well, you know, just you know, answer the phone. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for calling us. What do you want? You know, the, but actually putting that in changed things. It made us a ton more efficient. We did the same thing with email, just having a system for it instead of being run by that sort of thing. So documenting your systems and then kind of collating them, which is hard. That's probably the hardest part is keeping them organized and up to date. But if you've got those down, eventually your business won't be so dependent on people that which are great. Your business needs good people. But if they're sick with or they're quarantined with COVID due to forced quarantine regulations like somebody that's missing from this podcast today, <laughs> uh, you've got a system in place that you don't necessarily need them for. You might want them there, but you can get the job done because anybody can read through the system. Yeah. And that that is really the benefit there. And we we have experienced the benefits of, of having a workflow, and a process to do the work for our clients when it happens. I know this is hard. This is a hard one. And it takes a lot of thought. You've got to take care of your customers and you've got to make money and you've got to market and grow. So systemizing is like the last thing that people and will do. it is not. It is not. It is, it is way before... I would even argue before taking care of your clients in some, in some cases and a lot of cases because you can't... If all you're doing is reacting, mm-hmm. you know, it's firefighting. And I'm going to be a bad business owner if all I'm doing is running around with my pants on fire every day. Yeah. You're not going to be able to take care of your clients if you're just putting out fires all, all the time. So that's why it is really important. Yeah. And when it's an early young business and you don't have the luxury of having a ton of people around. So imagine if you're, you know, you, you do take the time develop some of these systems and the new person comes in when you do have the luxury okay to pass these along and say look this is my operations manual it's not perfect but it's going to get you going you know get you a long way down the road at least understand what i'm thinking i'm so busy i can't spend a lot of time with you right now mm-hmm. so i need you to look at this and understand what systems i do have documented when you have questions ask but it it's really really powerful That's great, Jason. I think that leads us right into our calls to action for today. We just went through five steps that you should consider, five things you should consider if you want to become self-employed. So that comes to our calls to action. Uh, Number one, iron out your personal financial situation. You can't do anything if you're a slave to your debt, to your payments, to your lifestyle. You don't have the freedom. You're going to increase risk if you do not have that figured out. And the second call to action just mirrors what you were just saying about systematizing, systematizing. I, systeming. S- s- yeah. Creating processes. Uh, systematizing. <laughs> <laughs> Document your processes. The single biggest help for us has been reading Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. It really lays out the importance of Read it of twice. That. It's great. And basically, you're making processes 
just like you are about to franchise your business, even if you're not, so that somebody else can pick up your processes and start doing them. So that's that. Jason, that's been great. Thank you yeah, so much. Small awesome. businesses, starting yeah. businesses. We we're love for, them. We're for it. We're for it. Believe it or not, <laughs> we are actually for it. We want you to do it, but do it right. That's right. All right. That means we're moving on now, Jason, to questions. Woo. Straight up. We love questions. This week's question comes from listener John Zachrich. John says, hello, gentlemen. Wow, he's got that wrong. Yeah, far too. He must have been talking about Caleb. Far too gracious. As I sit here holding my six-day-old son Aww. and first child, congrats, John. Uh, we love kids. Uh, and listening to the most recent episode about retirement, I type this message slash question slowly with the one hand I have available. <laughs> Would a traditional saving bond be a good gift like I was given long ago, or is there a more modern version to give my little guy? Love the podcast and cheers, John Zachrich. What say you, Jason Bernal? He wants to know if a savings bond is a good gift for his little man. Yeah, um, I'm going to have to say probably not. You know, it's about as good as the paper it's printed on, unfortunately. Um, it's just a, not that it's a terrible investment, it's kind of a re- repository for cash, and it's a long one. So, you know, interest rates are very, very, very low. John, I'm actually going to recommend that you spend some time on your your personal situation. You need to take care of your household first. Get your debt taken care of. Make sure you're in good order there. Emergency fund. The best gift you can give your son is to be well-loved in his house that is secure financially. Okay? Like, that is so important. Mm-hmm. Now... Saving systematically over a long period of time, it's fine. Consider starting like a, a maybe just a brokerage account. Put a small like a S and P five hundred fund in there or something. A five twenty nine account is a good place to start for college savings. Savings bonds have kind of sailed away, and so <laughs> on many boat, Jefferson's Ocean, so many Asia boat references. <laughs> Twenty three, uh, that voyage took the savings bond away with it. It did. I mean, and we have clients that have ex- that have. Four percent savings bonds in the past, but the those days are long gone. Yeah, one percent is like you're killing it. There's just no, bond. there's just no. The the great thing about savings bonds is it's backed by the full faith and integrity of the United States government, and uh, so they were safe. They were basically risk free with a good return. That doesn't exist anymore. No. Um, but as far Jason, I got I got to piggyback on what you said about taking care of your personal situation first, John. We've got like a hierarchy of savings that we're working on. And the kids, we love our kids and we want them to have it better than us, but they come way later in the list. If you First priority should be getting completely debt-free. Second priority should be maxing out your retirement accounts that you can get with at least 15% of your income. Um, and if not more than that, so that you can be financially independent. After that comes saving for our kids. Like we've got Roth IRAs and company sponsored plans that you can save in and HSAs that we've talked about on this show. After you've got those things well in hand, that's when we start saving for our kids. And a non-qualified brokerage account, like Jason said, with just some mutual funds or exchange traded funds in it, that can be awesome. Uh, I'm not personally doing savings bonds for my kids and neither is Jason. No. And we got a lot of them. (laughs) A lot of kids, not a lot of savings bonds. We have zero savings bonds and lots of kids. So... Take it from us. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Great stuff. What's happening in the speakeasy this week, Jason? (laughs) 
It says Caleb on the script, just for the record. <laughs> we miss him. Good recovery, Jason. Well, we have announced a bourbon club meeting in our oh, office. I love this. Uh, if you are semi-near Defiance, Ohio. Or not near. <laughs> well, or not. Yeah, I know, Marcus, if you're listening out there, it's quite the flight across the country. Um, but check out the speakeasy. There's an invitation in there to join our bourbon club. It is going to be held at the Blue Jay Financial Group World Headquarters in Defiance, Ohio. And we do not take ourselves very seriously about bourbon. So if you are a bourbon snob, we welcome you because we would love to learn more about bourbon. What we do know is that we love bourbon. We like drinking it. We like talking to people. And we like talking to people about bourbon. Right. <laughs> so that's why we're hosting that here in our office. Check out the invitation on Old Fashioned Finance Speakeasy on Facebook. And I hope this let, like we can try a bunch of bourbon, different bourbons. Well, we, we haven't even figured out the rules yet. So this is like the inaugural yeah. meeting to see what people kind of want. Do you want to have dues? Do you want to have just somebody different brings a bottle every week? Do you want Blue Jay just to buy a different bottle every week? Uh, we'll figure I vote out. against that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out what the what what the structure is kind of going to be at this meeting. But there will be different bourbons at this first meeting. If you've got a bottle, go ahead and bring it. Something you want to share. Uh, it should be a pretty laid back, good time about just with people that like bourbon and want to learn more about bourbon. Yeah, our office is great. It's Gosh. it's a fun place. Like it, so, if you're worried about coming to a financial office, it's not like. The receptionist with a sign and then in a tiny weird office after it. Like our office has got a lot of space. We got a deck patio area that's outside. We got a real big conference room that'll be good for mingling. We got a, a back area with a couch and there's a lot of space. Don't worry. We will have loner suit jackets for you when you get here. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Jacket and tie are required. Yeah. The guy with a monocle at the door letting people in. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your job, mustache. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for today's episode. Yeah. Thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or topic you want to address on the Old Fashioned Finance Podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We would love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Jason. Cheers. Yeah. Take. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. 